are in a three-part message series leading up to the launch of Arise Global. Yeah. Hey, um, Pops or Eddie, can you guys put that Arise Global slide up there? There it is. <laughs> yes. That is, uh, that is the, create, the awesome creativity of Jeremy Springer. <laughs> oh, man. So Arise Global is about, is about advance and harvest. It's about advancing the kingdom of God and transforming the culture around us. And it's also about bringing in the harvest of the lost with the power of the gospel. Okay? Does that make sense? So last week, Jeremy kicked it off for us with a powerful message on the seven mountains of influence and how we, as God's people, go and take back the places of influence in our culture. Okay? Uh, and then next week, Wes is going to take us into the harvest. Okay? All right. So also next week, we should have a short film for you guys to see um, about what about Arise Global, and then the portion of our website that's dedicated to Arise Global should be up with practical ways for you guys to get involved, okay? And so that we can put, continue to put the things that we believe and we talk about on Sundays into action during the week, okay? You guys ready? Yes. All right. So I want to talk today about our influence as believers in the kingdom of God as defined by Jesus and how we live out the mandate every day to preach the gospel both to the individual and the nation, okay? Because for those of you who are asking, we do intend for Arise Global to include the nations, okay? But it's also extremely important for us as the church to recognize the mission field that is in front of us every day and everywhere we go, okay? So first, I want to begin by reviewing uh, a little bit from a message I did last year about what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church, Okay, that is the first time that the word church is used in the New Testament. And it is the Greek word ekklesia. Jeremy mentioned it last week. Okay, this was not the normal word that they would use for their houses of worship or their synagogues. Okay, ekklesia was a governmental term that was introduced by the Greeks and adopted by the Romans. It was a governmental body of people who were called out from the general population who were responsible for the laws of the land in the province where they lived, okay? It was a legislative assembly that represented the government of Rome, okay? This was the picture that the disciples would have had in their mind when Jesus said, I'm going to build my ecclesia, okay? Jesus meant for his church, his ecclesia, to be governmental in nature. 
That does not mean that we go and we forcefully overthrow the governments of this earth and, and force everyone to worship God. That's not how the kingdom of God works. If it was, Jesus would have done that a long time ago. Okay? Um, the way that the, the kingdom of God works is um, we are meant to have... Um, we are meant to have influence and to disciple nations according to the laws of the government of heaven. Okay? Because shortly after Jesus said, I will build my church, he said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Keys represent access and authority. And then he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, I'm giving you my authority to go on the earth and declare what is lawful and what is not lawful, what is allowed and what is not allowed according to the government of heaven. Okay? That is the role of the church. We are also supposed to enforce these laws against the strongholds of darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay? You guys okay so far? So the primary assignment of the church is not to be a house of refuge from the darkness of the world. The primary assignment of the church is not to be an escape from the corruption of the world. The primary assignment of the church is not to hide away and beg for Jesus to come back and fix everything that's wrong. The primary assignment of the church that Jesus paid a high price for is for us to go out until light overcomes darkness, love casts out fear, and good triumphs over evil. Until the whole earth looks like heaven. Okay? We're begging for Jesus to come back and fix it, and he already made, paid a price for us to go out and fix it. He's looking at us, okay? Does that make sense? You guys okay? <laughs> so we, the church, the ecclesia of God, were meant to have influence in every area of culture. And we were meant to demand that evil loose its grip on the places of influence in our society. Okay, does that make sense? Until every person realizes the freedom and the destiny for which they were born. Okay, you guys okay? We were not meant to be influenced by culture. We were meant to transform it. Okay, all right, so that's your review. <laughs> if you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 21. This is a scene that happens just a few days before Jesus goes to the cross. And he had just come into Jerusalem as king, riding a donkey, while all the people shouted, Hosanna. And the first thing that Jesus does after that moment is go into the temple. And this was the time of Passover. So this was, Passover was one of the, the major feasts of Israel where all the people from all over the world would come into Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was very crowded and the temple was very crowded. So Jesus goes into the temple and this is what he does, starting in verse 12. 
Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Then the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They ask him, yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? (laughs) Amen. Talk about a scene. (laughs) this was actually not the first time Jesus had done this according to John chapter 2 he also did this at the very beginning of his ministry right after his first miracle when he turned the water into wines and water into wine and in that case he actually took the time to fashion a whip out of cords and physically drive everyone out okay for everyone that think that thinks Jesus just walked around and like didn't like didn't bother anyone and just kind of like did his own thing, no. <laughs> he physically drove everyone out. So what Jesus was doing here, he was not just exposing that those who were in power were corrupt, and he was not just suggesting that the whole system needed to be reformed. What Jesus was doing was redefining the temple itself. And as he was doing that, he was redefining their system of worship and what they believed about the kingdom of God. Okay? So, the temple of God in Israel was the place where heaven met earth. Okay? It was the place where God lived And where he issued his decrees, his decrees went out through all the earth from Zion, from his temple, okay? So about 600 years before Jesus, the prophet Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord depart from the temple just before the Babylonians came and destroyed it, okay? Then a remnant came from from Babylon back to Jerusalem and they rebuilt the temple during the Persian Empire, but the glory of the Lord had never returned. Okay? Are you guys okay so far? So Israel had not completely recovered yet from the Babylonian exile because even though some of them had come back and they had rebuilt the temple, they were still under the the governing of the Persian Empire and then the Greek Empire and then the Roman Empire. Okay? Does that make sense so far? So Haggai had prophesied that the glory of the Lord would return to the temple and it would be greater than the glory of the former temple. And Israel was still waiting on this promise to happen when Jesus was born. Okay? Does that make sense? So for a couple of centuries before Jesus, until Almost a century after Jesus, Israel was living in expectation of their Messiah. 
the promised one who would come and restore the throne of David that was there before they went into the Babylonian captivity. And this promised Messiah would also return the glory of the Lord to the temple. And they saw him as a military leader who would overthrow Rome and and would return Israel, the nation of Israel, to its place of prominence and power in the world. Okay? Jesus was not necessarily who they were looking for in a Messiah. He didn't fit the mold. Okay? Does that make sense? So they were waiting for the glory of God to return to the temple. But they didn't realize that the glory of God had come among them and he was wrapped in flesh and he was moving as the temple among them. Okay? When Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, when he cleansed the temple the first time, he told them, I will rebuild this temple in three days. And by that, he was talking about his resurrection and that his body would be his temple. Okay, does that make sense? Jesus was redefining the place where heaven met earth. Okay, in the old covenant, there was one place where heaven met earth, and everyone had to come to that one place. In the new covenant, he said, now, now the place where heaven meets earth is going to be in us. We, our bodies, are now going to be the temple of the Lord. We are going to be the place where he dwells. We are going to be the house of God. God is going to dwell inside of us. And we are now the place where heaven meets earth. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> So God's temple would now become mobile. Jeremy said it last week. Reformation is the move of God's people. Okay? So Jesus was reforming how they thought about the place where heaven meets earth. It would no longer be that all the nations of the earth would come to one place. Now God through his people and by his spirit would now move and go to all the nations of the earth. He was redefining the temple, redefining the place where heaven met earth. Okay. Are you guys okay so far? He even quotes in, in Isaiah chapter 56, my house will be called a house of prayer. And it doesn't say it in Matthew, but the, the place where he's quoting in Isaiah 56, it says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations okay now we the new temple of the lord the new place where heaven meets earth we become both the intercessors for and the answer to the prayers of the nations okay i'm not saying that we answer prayers i'm saying that god answers prayers through his people through the decrees that he releases from his temple. Okay? We are the answer that the, well, Jesus is the answer the world is looking for, but he's waiting for us to move and to be the ecclesia and to be the influencers on the earth rather than continually being influenced by the world. Okay? Are you guys okay so far? (laughs) Okay. So Jesus also quoted a passage out of 
Jeremiah chapter 7 that says, you've made my house a den of robbers, okay? Jesus wasn't merely talking about the fact that these money changers were robbing from the people. He was quoting this passage in Jeremiah that talks about how the people of the Lord would basically follow the influence of the world, they would seek the counsel of the gods of their culture, and then they would come into the temple of the Lord and say, we are delivered, but then they would just go back and live life however best benefited them according to the, to the world and the gods around them. And he called it a den of robbers because he said, you go out and you take what you want and you do what you want and you hide it away and then you come out in public and you say, I'm the Lord's, but then you go right back to your den of robbers to everything that you are robbing from the Lord. Okay? If we are the place where heaven meets earth, then we have to remain uncompromised in our allegiances to the influences of the world. Okay, does that make sense? (laughs) So every decision that we make and every action that we take should look like heaven is coming to earth. Okay, let me say that again. We are the place now where heaven meets earth. That means every decision that we make and every action we take should look like heaven is coming to earth. Okay, does that make sense? Let me, um, let me give you an example of how I think that we are influenced by the culture of this world every day and we may not even realize it, okay? So when we have a headache, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> When we have a headache, it's not natural for us to consult the Holy Spirit about how we treat our bodies. When we have a headache, we go take an aspirin. And we have an allergy, we go take an allergy pill. We have a cough, we take a decongestant. Or some type of more natural means like a tea or an essential oil. We just go take care of it, right? So that when something more serious comes along, And those alternatives now will no longer treat the thing that we need treated. It's harder for us to consult the Lord because we're not in the habit of consulting him every day for the health of our bodies. So then here's what happens. Because we are not in the habit, I'm not saying those, those, those things are bad or that we shouldn't do them at all. I'm saying we're so in the mode of just doing what we're taught to do in our culture and not consult the Holy Spirit that when something big comes along, then we are tempted to give the diagnosis equal or more authority over what we believe than the Spirit of God. Do you guys get that? (laughs) Thank you, Miss Johnny. (laughs) <laughs> do, we, do I need to say that again? <laughs> because we are not in the habit of letting the Holy Spirit influence how we deal with things every day, when something big comes along, we are tempted to give the diagnosis equal or more authority over what we believe 
than the Spirit of God. And now what we do is we do this in parallel with this and see which one works. That's the influence of this world. Okay? Are you guys okay? We do the same thing in other areas. We make decisions about what we purchase and what we give to the Lord based on what's in our bank accounts. Or worse, whatever our line of credit is. So when we need to believe the Lord for something big, we are not in the habit of consulting with the Holy Spirit about stewarding our resources every day. And so now we're tempted to let that have more of an authority over what we believe than the word of the Lord. Okay, does that make sense? (laughs) If we are going to, we are the place where heaven meets earth okay that means we are under the influence of the holy spirit every day hey it doesn't have to be hard when you are when you are choosing to partner with heaven it's 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 the reason that it's hard is because we don't do it every day the more that we do it every day, the easier it becomes. And the more that we know that if, if our heart is positioned in the right way, if we make a mistake, he covers it. Okay, does that make sense? It's about the position of our heart. Okay, you guys okay? <laughs> so we are the influencers, but we have to tune our ears to heaven and let heaven's wisdom lead us. Okay, so... Jesus redefined the place where heaven meets earth. Next, after Jesus went and turned over the tables of the money changers and drove them out, he called all the lame and the blind to come to him in the temple and he healed them. This was significant for two reasons, okay? One, the, the blind and the lame and the sick and the weak, they were not allowed to come into the temple and Jesus invited them in. Okay, secondly, according to the law of Moses, if you were blind or lame or crippled in any way or had a sickness of any kind, you were not qualified to serve in the priesthood. Okay, Jesus was overturning all of that. Okay, he was not just redefining the place where heaven met earth, he was redefining the priesthood. Okay, does that make sense? Even the reason that they were so upset that the children were offering praise in the temple is because that was the priest's job. They were doing the job of the priest. And they said, hey, these guys, are, they, they're too young. They don't fit. They're not qualified to be the priest. But Jesus was redefining the priesthood. He said, whatever you had before that didn't qualify you, I am now qualifying you. I am now healing you. I am now making you whole. I am now redefining who can serve as priests. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, so shortly after this, Jesus goes out with his disciples outside the city and he tells them, he he tells them, hey, whatever you ask for in my name, believe that you will receive it and I will give it to you. Okay? That was the job of the priest. Okay? So he's saying, like, this is my new priesthood. 
And then he follows it up by something that, you know, might seem weird to us. He says, hey, while you're praying, if you hold anything against someone else, go and forgive them, and then your Father in heaven will forgive you. Okay, so we read that, and we're like, man, does that mean that, like, if I'm not forgiving someone, that God doesn't forgive me? To them, that was revolutionary, okay? Because according to the, the temple, you could only be forgiven by God one day a year. After you brought your sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, if you brought the proper sacrifice and you could afford it and you could get in there and you could give your sacrifice, on that one day a year, you could be forgiven. If the priest accepted your sacrifice... And Jesus is revolutionizing everything. He says, hey, you know you could be forgiven at any moment, at any time, at any time of the day, any day of the week, any time of the year, you can be forgiven. Forgiveness is now available to everyone. I desire, though, that you show mercy instead of sacrifice. That's what he's been saying throughout the whole New Testament. I'm redefining forgiveness. Forgiveness is now available to all because I'm paying the price once and for all. And so now forgiveness is available to you every day, all day long, all year long, and it's free. So I want you to turn and I want you to take that free forgiveness and I want you to offer it to the people around you. Because now we are all his priesthood. Okay? so the money changers one of one of the reasons that Jesus was so angry with them is because what they would do is they would decide which sacrifices were accepted and which weren't and so they would make money because when the, when the people would bring the sacrifice, they would say, oh, no, that's not good enough. You have to buy one of ours. And then they would, like, charge, like, way more than it was worth. And they were making money off of the people. But Jesus was saying, hey, that's, that's not allowed anymore because I've paid the price. And my new priesthood will not decide they, they will not sit and say, you're not worthy of forgiveness, and you are. Okay, I might need to say that again. <laughs> As his new priesthood, we no longer decide you are worthy of forgiveness, but you aren't. Everyone is worthy of forgiveness. Forgiveness was freely given, and so we freely give it away. Not because someone deserves it, because we didn't deserve it. Not because they apologized, (laughs) but because of the price that Jesus paid. Okay? When we don't, when we withhold forgiveness and say you aren't worthy of my forgiveness and you are, we are robbing the Lord. We are his den of robbers. Okay? Are you guys okay? (laughs) Okay, so he redefined the place of the temple, he redefined the priesthood, and he redefined the power of a person who believes. In the temple, 
you know, the, if you were blind or lame or crippled or sick or weak or poor or any of those things, you were not allowed in. You had to stay outside. And there was no hope for you in the place where heaven met earth, except maybe they would allow you to, like, stay outside and, and maybe the people who were coming in to worship the Lord might give you money so that you could live, okay? Does that make sense? So Jesus was redefining the power that was available for us who believe, for us who would become his new temple and his new priesthood. Now we lay hands on the sick and they recover. We have hope for the hopeless, okay? We offer forgiveness for those who need it. We, we empower the unqualified, okay? Because that's what Jesus did, okay? So those who believe are those that know I am the place where heaven meets earth. The dwelling place of God is within me. I have the power to change the culture around me, to bring healing, to bring life, to bring freedom, to bring all those things. Okay? You guys okay? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Okay. We, we can do this. All right. <laughs> I'm almost done. Okay. So, um, there, there's a, uh, there's been a meme going around, um, for, for, I don't know how long, since sometime after COVID started, and it's become popular in, in some of the church, and I've even seen it on a few church signs, okay, so I'm going to tell you what it is, but I want you to stay with me, okay, so I'm going somewhere with this, okay, <laughs> so it says, love your neighbor, wear a mask, Okay, now I want you to know that there are situations and circumstances and scenarios where that is absolutely what love looks like, okay? However, for the church to take a blanket stand that this in every circumstance is what love looks like is denying the power of the gospel. And worse than that, they, they, um, they are not willing to pay the price of what love, real love, the love of Jesus actually looks like so that they can lay their life down to carry the power, the full power of the gospel that says I lay my hands on you and you recover. That is what love looks like where we will continue to lay our lives down, that's what love looks like, to carry the power of the gospel unto salvation. Okay? Does that make sense? Are you guys okay? (laughs) Obviously, you listen to the Holy Spirit on when and how and where (laughs) you do and say those things, you know? Um, Okay? Does that make sense? Listen. For everyone who is here or watching online or who will watch or who will listen, if you have lost someone to COVID, if you have lost your business, if you have lost your job, there are a long line of people who should line up and offer you an apology. But first in line should be the church. 
because the church has allowed itself to become compromised and to reduce love to the agreement with our condition of disadvantage. Do you want me to say that again? (laughs) The church has allowed ourselves to reduce love to agreement with the condition of our disadvantage. That is not love. That's not worthy of the price that Jesus paid. Love looks like I will do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to be the place where heaven meets earth so that when I go, it doesn't matter. All that happens is these signs follow those who believe. The sick will recover. The dead will be raised. The the leper will be cleansed. And those who have demons will be free. Okay, let's stand up. Hey, while this church has stood on the power of the word of God and the fullness of the gospel, we recognize that there's an opportunity to press in for more. And we want to be the temple that's filled with the glory of God. (laughs) So if you say, hey, (laughs) whatever compromises I've made, whatever agreements I've made, whatever whatever things that I've hidden away and robbed from the Lord, hey, first thing you need to hear today is you are forgiven. This is a new day. And this is a day where we say, I will not live in the power I had yesterday. I will press in for more and more and more until I see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I will not bow to the gods of this world. (laughs) I have one king and his name is Jesus. And I think that we also need to repent for waiting on someone else to save us. Jesus said, I paid a high price for you to be the ones I moved through, for you to be the ones that bring heaven to earth, for you to be the ones that influence culture, for you to be the ones who have courage, for you to be the ones who have love, who demonstrate love and bring healing to the nation. Just take a few minutes and ask the Lord, whatever measure you've walked in, it's time for an upgrade. (laughs) And I want you to ask for the glory of the Lord to fill the temple. And that doesn't just mean this place. You're asking him to fill you until it pushes everything out. Everything out that robs you of your destiny.
of God, the healing of God, we just declare, as we declared earlier, that the spirit of infirmity is breaking over Alabama. We will be the beautiful gate. We will be those who carry your healing on the earth. This will be a place of healing. This will be a place of refuge. This will be a place of freedom. We will be a people who carry your glory to the city and to the nations. Because Jesus paid a high price to make it so. And he's not coming again someday to be crowned king. He already is crowned king. We crown him king in our praise. We are his body on the earth. We are the place where heaven meets earth. So we declare that this week, when we step into a place, heaven steps into a place. sick this week but here's the thing you don't even necessarily have to pray for the sick 
necessarily. I'm saying you should. But I'm saying the moment you step into a place, it becomes heaven. It becomes heaven on earth. You release the atmosphere of heaven wherever you go. And suddenly when you walk down an aisle, people feel hopeful. People feel peace. People feel like something just changed. And I don't know what it is, but suddenly I'm feeling better i'm feeling more hopeful i'm feeling stronger and it doesn't make sense because if i listen to the news on the on in the world it's all negativity all the time but if you tune your ear to listen to what heaven is saying it's glory it's advance it's harvest it's more it's power is our inheritance. <laughs> hey, if you need, if you need prayer um, for healing, I just want you to raise your hand and I want you guys to turn around and see who has their hands raised and I want you to go declare the healing of the Lord over them. This is the family of God. You guys are free to leave, you're free to stay. Pray over someone, release heaven over someone, release healing, release hope. Bless you guys.